Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Angle on Producers, the show where I spotlight producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do what they do. As always, I am your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. However you found this show, I am so grateful you're here tuning in as often as you do and doing this life thing with me. I'm so grateful to hear that you're getting value out of these conversations. It's why I do it. I love that I get to create space for us to learn and grow and navigate our own careers separate but together. If you don't already, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Or if you're one of those people who prefers to watch your podcast instead of listen to it, I am also on YouTube. Tell a friend, tag a friend, help me spread the word. Jordana Malik is a producer and co-founder of the super prolific semi-formal productions alongside Michael Showalter. They're having quite an amazing moment right now with Jessica Chastain winning the Oscar for the Eyes of Tammy Faye and the tremendous response to The Dropout with Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes. They also have four series in contention for the Emmys this season, The Shrink Next Door, The Dropout, Search Party, and I Love That For You, which star Vanessa Bayer and Molly Shannon. Originally from Milwaukee, Jordana carved her own path working across theater, film, TV, and digital media. She even had a stint as a literary manager. Chats like this one remind me that no matter how high we climb, imposter syndrome and self-doubt plague us all. So this week, we dive into the importance of embracing your firsts, the parallels between producing and motherhood, and how to avoid the traps of self-comparison. So without further ado, here's Jordana in all her candid glory. We were talking a little bit off mic and how I actually met you in... I want to say that was 2014, November 2014. I remember it because the panel at the No Budget Film Festival panel was on my birthday. And I was like, why did I decide to go to a panel on my birthday? That's a whole separate thing. But it's where I met (laughs) Elizabeth Hughes, who um, went on to be a big um, catalyst for my own career and changed the course of a lot of things for me and gave me a lot of opportunities. And it's just a gem of a human. So Hello again. I came up to you afterwards and said hi, but here we are getting to connect in this way. So I appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. This is so great. It's yeah. I love what you're doing. I think it's just so great that you're spotlighting producers at all. Thank you. You know, you know how it is for us producers. We don't get a lot of spotlighting. So it's nice to have a place where others can come and listen to our stories, our journey, our struggles. I think the reality of what it takes to live this life is fascinating to me because it's the thing that coming up, no one explained to me. <laughs> and maybe if they had, I would have chosen differently. But, you know, here we are, very happy with the life choices. <laughs> totally. Speaking of, you know, how hard the journey can be, I think it is important to highlight when there are successes because it can sometimes feel uh, like you just don't, you just don't know, right, the outcome of anything. It's all, always about the journey. But with you and Michael right now having such a, an incredible moment with Jessica Chastain just winning the Oscar for Eyes, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, the incredible response you guys are having to The Dropout uh, on Hulu. And then you also have four Emmy nominations right now, like The Shrink Next Door, The Dropout Search Party, and I love that for you. So Congrats. I mean, and when you when you hear that, like when you hear all of that, and you think back to your humble beginnings, which I want to get to after this question, like what comes up for you? Um, It's so funny that like you're I've been thinking so much about all of this, because I think um, it's so nice. And thank you for saying any of that stuff, because I, you know, rarely have time to like, take a second to be like, oh, look, I've done things because you're constantly (laughs) in the hustle and like trying to make things happen. And, and, you know, as I mentioned, like I just had a baby this year. And so you're kind of like trying, everything's about balance and it's hard to see that there's actually stuff like that you're making and, you know, projects and humans and all the things. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I always, you know, love the process. So I'm so used to being in the process and not necessarily taking a moment to look at the results that like, 
I just get back into the next process, I guess. So hearing you say it, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I, yeah, we've like, we've worked really, really hard and it's, it's great to see payoff. But for me, payoff is like getting something I love made, you know, still. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in an industry that is like, always about the accolades in some ways and what you've done and you finish the thing and it's about what you're doing next. Sometimes it is hard to even have a moment to like acknowledge not just what you've done, but also how far you've come, right? The, the, it can be a business of comparison. There's a lot of things about this that can be really hard to navigate emotionally. And so I, I'm always, you know, just interested and fascinated in how, especially someone like yourself, who's you've been in, in this for so long, when you get to that side where others, right, outsiders looking at your highlight reel, looking at your life go, wow, like she's made it. She's doing all the things that I hope to do. Yet for every person I've had on who others may perceive that way, I'm always humbled by their reaction, which is very similar to you, which, which is it's about the work and it's not about, you know, the highlight reels, which is why I do this show is to demystify this, this idea that producers are hanging out with celebrities and red carpets and like, you know, toasting to doing champagne toast at, at different places. That is like 1% of the journey and everything else is about the process and the, and the messiness of the process. And so I really like to lean into that messaging um, so that people listening just know what they're signing up for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I think people just, it just goes back to that people, don't really know what a producer does. And so it's like, there's this, you know, idea that you're just like the boss of everyone and like really serving everyone, you know, like you're always keeping the big picture in mind. Um, And so by the time, like the big picture is a reality, you're kind of like on to the next nitty gritty and oftentimes forget to appreciate that like, that thing that you saw in your brain five years ago is now, you know, other people in the world can see it. Yeah, and- available on streaming. And you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> totally. yeah. Totally. yeah. no, I, I appreciate that. So I, I want to actually just reel it all the way back to your humble beginnings. You know, I think I read somewhere that you knew since your early 20s that you wanted to be a producer, but you didn't really know how to get there. And how did you even know at that time, like what a producer was, what was your entry point into storytelling that made you go, that's what I want to do? Totally. Um, Well, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, where no one works in Hollywood. (laughs) Um, And I always was very into the arts. Um, I was an actor, like when I was younger, an actor in terms of like, you know, being in high school plays and stuff, not an actor on the television screen. Um, And I went to college for theater, like as a theater major. And I moved to New York after college thinking that I was going to um, be, um, you know, an an actress, a work. I just wanted to be a working actress. I didn't, I never had dreams of being famous. I was like, I'm going to work. Um, And I had started this apprenticeship at Ensemble Studio Theater with a bunch of writers and directors and other actors. And the writers would like write plays and the directors would direct them and the actors would be in them. And it was a very like writer um, forward kind of apprenticeship program. And we'd also do like running crew and, you know, costume running crew and stage crew and all the things. And, um, And so after it was over, I had started this company with this production company with a bunch of the writers and the directors in the group. And in our brains, we were like, we will make things so I can act in them and they can direct them and they can write them. And um, and it ended up being that like it kind of, you know, we were 20 I was like 22 years old and didn't know what I was doing. And the company, we did like a play for the Fringe Festival and a couple other things. But when everybody decided they wanted to go back to writing and directing and acting, I was like, I think I love producing, but I don't know what the next step is. And for me, I always knew that like, as much as I liked to act um, and now can't even imagine it because it's so like, I, I like 
have stage fright. Like I can't even mm-hmm. imagine um, that part of my life, but yeah. I never liked what it, like someone telling me whether or not I could work, you know, and mm-hmm. like having that fate be in someone else's hands, not having anything to do with my talent even or lack thereof, but having to do with like how I looked or who I knew or all these things that just didn't feel like my personality. Yeah. And I actually like realized that I did think I loved producing, even though I still wasn't quite sure what it was, but I knew that I liked putting things together and problem solving and building a community and telling stories and all of these little pieces that seemed to be what I thought a producer did. And so at that time, I thought about going back to business school because I like was like, what do you do? Do you just go get an MBA? Like, how does this work? And I was friends with, um, I was doing this nonprofit with with uh, Hannah Mangella at the time, who um, was a creative executive at Miramax in, in mm-hmm. this time. Now she's the president of Bad Robot. But, um, and she had told me to get a job at an agency, which sounded horrible to me, but I ended up doing it and getting a mm. job basically at receptionist in New York at Endeavor and um, started just reading everything. And like, there was like so much information that went through there and I would just read every script, every movie that was set up at every studio and independent and all the things. And I just started developing my taste that way. Um, and because it was just a talent department, it was like a little department in, in New York. Um, because I read, I had a reputation for being smart just because, you know, I read. You were doing the and, work, yeah. um, <laughs> and so they, the, the agents at the time that were there were like, you should, you know, get a job in development. Um, and so I, got a job working with these guys who I'm still very close with named Brian Koppelman and David Levine. Um, they have like the show Billions on the yeah, air. And, they, and Brian they has a podcast it. too. Surprised you haven't been Brian on Brian also has a podcast. <laughs> yes. The moment. I started, you know, being their kind of hybrid assistant development executive. I was a horrible assistant. Um, <laughs> I told them to start. they would um, agree with that, but I was, I was a good development executive and I kind of knew that I was not going to be a person that could just develop and develop and not make something. So I moved out to LA. Can I ask real quick though, you said that you knew you were a good development executive. What was it that made you feel like I am really good at this? I mean, I definitely was still quite insecure. So I think I can only now (laughs) looking back (laughs) at the 20, you know, mid twenties version of myself say that. Um, but I, I liked story and I loved writers and I liked working with them and I liked um, empowering them. And once again, it's back to this big picture thing. I've always found that there are these artists that I tend to really like to work with that are so like specific and so, and could spin on the nitty gritty of things and don't miss a thing, but Mm. sometimes you need to like, look at the overview to create a safe space for them to do their thing. And like, I felt I always was good at that. And starting just with working with writers who are like, you know, spinning over and over and over on certain things that they have to do. And eventually you just, you know, can validate and push things forward. And I just kind of knew that I, I could see things from that way. And some of it was just being good with story, but a lot of it was being good with the, the people that are, you know, on the front lines of writing that story. Right. But I knew that I wanted to get to the next phase of it, which was like making something and not just, developing something that either would never be seen or that would be out of my hands once it got to the next phase, if that makes sense. Yep. Then you go to LA. So then I go to LA and I've always been entrepreneurial. I had started that company when I was like 22. I had like really weird, like companies when I was a child, like 
making friendship bracelets and selling them at the <laughs> village picnic and getting a permit from the fire department at like six years old and teaching music class to kids. And, you know, like I always kind of started these weird businesses whenever um, I had like even the slightest skill that I felt I could capitalize on. Um, so I moved out to LA and I started a company with um, another like executive I'd met, this guy, Brendan Bragg, who's um, one of my dear friends still. And we, we were going to produce and also manage, which was something that I was fighting doing because I didn't love the, I, I just was like never that into representation, but something that I did feel I was good at. And I kept, I had moved out here with not a lot of people that I knew, but I quickly became friends with like some really great writers and um, all of them were managed and managers don't like poach other people from other managers. But I felt like I kept introducing them to other people and they would get jobs and everyone would take me out to drinks to thank me. And I needed to like call myself a manager so I could pay my rent and like get 10% and not just like drinks um, and, and thank yous. So I started this company with, and we um, managed writers and directors and produced and, um, and simultaneous to that, I had started this play series because I come from a theater background and I saw like a space in the market in LA where like in New York, it was so hard to get anyone to see a play that you did, but like here there, people were much more starved for theater. So I started this play series where I took my friends who were writers and directors in like the film and TV world, but who had yet to get anything made. Now they're all famous and amazing but at the time yeah. none of us need anything and um they wrote short plays for me that we developed um and then we put them up with actors that maybe we'd all had generals with at different points that couldn't weren't famous enough to be in our movies that we hadn't yet made or yeah. <laughs> were you know just people we knew that were friends and we'd put these plays up and the first year of doing them, it was um, Susanna Fogel and Joni Lefkowitz and Leslie Headland and Beth Schachter and Emily Halpert and Sarah Haskins. And the play was Life Partners, which I then developed into a movie and took through the Sundance Labs and made as my first film. And that was your first film. I love that. I mean, you, yeah. you were talking about on a different interview that I was looking at the idea of first, you know, and I think a lot of people who listen are sort of young or budding and not just producers, but filmmakers across the board. Mm -hmm. And everyone is such a, such a hurry to get to this place the, the there. And we all know there's no there there. But when you're on the outside navigating your journey, it almost feels like bullshit a little bit when people say that you're like, I don't believe I, at least that's how I felt coming up. I was like, I don't believe you. There's something else that no one's telling me in this Q&A, there's got to be something else, you know? Yeah. But I think once you go through that, it's like the the value of really embracing your first and really embracing when you are in that season of your career where you're still forming, like who you're going to be. It's very developmental, yeah. right? And I love that you talk about the idea of enjoying your first because it doesn't come back. It's your first. Just looking at some of the things you've done recently, are there still moments that you can kind of step back maybe when you're on set or, or whatever that moment is for you when you can kind of still be hit with that feeling of like wow this is the first time that I'm you know fill in the blank like having that like does that still come up for you and if so will you share a little bit um yeah it's it's just so interesting you're like bringing up all the stuff that I have been talking with friends about because I do feel in this pandemic like I turned 40, I had a baby. Like there were all these things. I felt like I never wanted to lose sight of like that excitement. Cause for me, so like I used to be, if someone read a script I was producing and liked it, it was like, I'd go out for drinks to celebrate, you know, <laughs> like if someone like, you know, asked me to be on a panel, like I'd go out for Like, I'm like, this is like amazing. Let's have a party. Like this actor said they'd consider doing this, you know, this, movie of mine. Um, and I definitely don't, obviously I I'm in a place in my career where I don't 
like feel that same kind of thrill from all the little pieces. And that's just from knowledge because you're like, okay, I know that this actor said they like this, or this actor's agent said they like the script and that doesn't mean the actor's going to do it. We still don't have financing and who knows if that, like, you know, too much to, you know, be kind of have that naive excitement though. I think it's crucial to have it when you can. And I still definitely have it. My partner, um, Michael Showalter, like will oftentimes make fun of me for like my kind of glass half full excitement about everything, even though I think it's the reason like people want to work with me. You know, like I think it's like, it could definitely, you know, be annoying because it's like, you know, I get excited about a lot of things, but I do. And I really do believe things are going to work out if you work really hard. But in terms of first, like, Absolutely. So much is happening right now and it's great, but like I didn't have a show on the air until this past year, you know, like I made a pilot for HBO Max that didn't go forward. I made a pilot for Apple that didn't go forward. I made like sold so many things. It takes a long time. And now, you know, I got to have my first show on the air or streaming and I got to have, you know, my first movie that I've been a part of, like be in the awards conversation and how, you know, it's definitely stuff that I'm trying very hard to carve the time to feel that excitement about because I don't ever, cause we didn't, we don't work this hard to just yeah. get to a place and be like, Oh, now it's just a job, you know? Right. Right. We all dream of finding a way to make our careers sustainable. And like, I would hate to have that take away from the hunger of, yeah. you know, do what we do. Absolutely. I feel like it's this metaphor, right? Of like the mountaintop. It's like, it's such an arduous uphill climb to get there. And there's so many like lessons and scrapes along the way. And hopefully you don't get heavily injured and you get to the top and then you arrive and, and whatever that top is, I think that maybe there's another ridge and another, it never really ends, but, and it's almost like a, oh, I guess I'm here now, <laughs> you know, like all of the things I thought I'd feel or all of the things I thought, I don't know w- what you expect it to be, but when you get there, it does seem to be not underwhelming, but less of a bigger deal than I guess maybe one would think, at least that's from my experience, like, it, you know, it's, I'm still very much still rising and what all the things that I'm here to do. But similarly, people will have to reflect back to my own journey of like the things I've accomplished. And I go, yeah, I guess I did do that. Or yeah, I guess this is pretty like remarkable that these things happened. You know, you constantly have to have the mirrors that we hold up for for ourselves, especially as producers, because you're so deep in the work and we love the work. But I, I am curious, though, because I find that especially when you've been at it for as long as you have, that's 20 plus years, right? And and various different titles of producer wearing different types of hats, but in it committed to the work. Like how, how can one find that sense of excitement and have that glass half full perspective when so much about the um, rejection (laughs) and the challenges of this business can, can really rob you from that. And I, I often wonder if like the really bitter cynical people in our business, like, where where was it along their journey that they kind of like disconnected from themselves and their why? And that's kind of perhaps why they've turned out that way. A lot of experiences that they never healed from. So will you speak to that? You know, how to be at this place in your career and still have that positivity that clearly attracts so many? First off, I just don't think that we're in a time when like you can be a mean, bitter person and be successful because that's Thankfully. just... No, like, yeah, thankfully, like that's over and, and everybody should be kind. But um, I feel like this is all about loving the journey that you're on. Taking a second to be like, I get to work with like my friends and people that are like the most talented people in their crafts and have skills that I could only dream of having. And I get to be surrounded by those people and whether or not my movie or my show is a success or whether or not I get to the next phase, like I try to pinch myself a lot because it's not just about like making a successful movie that wins tons of awards and with famous people. Like 
there is a point in my life when like, you know, I didn't know what, what a cinematographer did versus a production designer versus a gaffer versus, you know, like anyone. And these are like, these are people that like, it's amazing. Like it's amazing to work with so many people that know how to do things that you don't know how to do or have like the talent to do. And I get to work with them and like soak it in. It's very hard to get bitter when you feel like there's so many exciting things along the way, you know, I, there's obviously letdown, but like life is just, there's letdowns all the time. You know, we keep going, like we break up with people and we lose people and we, you know, we switch jobs and we move and, you know, there's so many things that are hard that we persevere. So like the hards of our industry aren't the worst things in the world. They're kind of still wins. You know, it's interesting that you say like, kind of the levels and, and moving up that way. Cause I always felt like everything for me was like swinging from vine to vine Mm -hmm. or being a shark and just like keep moving or you die kind of thing where like, (laughs) it doesn't really matter what vine you swing onto, like catch a vine and like, you're going to have an experience, you know, and you're going to learn things. And whenever I talk to young people starting out and they're like, what do I do? And so much of it is like, how do you work best? What's your skill set? Are you going to be like a rock star assistant? Because then get a job as an assistant and rise those ranks. Like if you're not like, you know, try to meet your peers and make something with them. Like there's so many different ways to get started, but like whatever you do, you just learn while you're doing it. I didn't love working in an agency, but I loved getting to learn. And I loved like when I was a waitress and when I was a barista and when I, you know, taught music and when like all the jobs that I've had, like have like taught me how to interact with a different type of person and have like taught me how to identify talents in all different people and empower them to use those talents and those skills. And I just think that's what producing is. So like, yeah, do we need to make a living? Is it really, really hard? Absolutely. And it's not easy to like see the positive when you can't pay your rent, you know, a hundred percent. But my attitude was always like any little piece of this industry that anyone would let me be a part of was a win, even if I had to waitress at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that being the kind of person who can look and everywhere you, you look, you see possibility is to me, the secret to it all. You know, it's an industry with effectively no rules. Yes, there's a system and you have to learn how to play within that system. But as far as like how you get yourself on whatever track or whatever vine is destined for you as your foot into the business, like it really doesn't matter as long as I said, you're always scanning for the possibilities and not from a like gross way, opportunistic way. Yes, you have to have like a, a be a person who is assertive and forthright, especially if you're navigating being an independent producer of any type. But I remember similarly, like all the random odd jobs I've done, all the things that like, just are so out there. But all of that taught me little things, even if it was about myself or or kindness or compassion or appreciating someone or or thinking that you may have the full purview of what someone's life may be like, but then you get access into something that a world that you never would have been exposed to. And that can help inform you and how you're going to navigate, like you said, how you're going to talk to other people that maybe have a different life experience from you which is a big skill that helps you be a great producer because you're going to find those people, right? So I think the sooner you can start to, like, it's so hard to, like, not compare yourself to other people's journeys or what they're doing, but to really start to focus on what is in front of you, what are those possibilities and how can you constantly be walking that path, but also remembering to, like, reach for other vines because they will appear and then, Will you jump? I guess that's the biggest question. I think like some people do get stuck, um, it seems like in a a scarier place where it's safer in a corner. I know like coming up, there's a lot of people that I for sure thought would have elevated to certain degrees, but kind of got in their own way as well, you know, and so I find that a really valuable lesson because it isn't a one size fits all answer. And so at least that's 
my perspective. You know, every yeah. time I've just leaned into the things that have, come, that have come my way, even if I was angry or annoyed at the time, because I'm like, no, I want to be here. I'm ready for this. It's like, maybe I wasn't ready. I thought I was and I wasn't. And I needed another year of like learning X, Y, Z to really be ready for that next opportunity. So right, that's so easy to say, looking back, like, I know that when you're in it, it's like, feels, it can feel very stifling. Yeah. Comparing is so hard and horrible and so inevitable. I don't know. It just took time for me to stop doing those things. And, and it's hard because you're never going to be as great at somebody else as being somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the only thing you can be the best at is like being like authentically yourself, you know, and hope that like, that's a person that can, has, can be successful and can be kind and can be lovable and can be all the things that like make life better. But like, if you're trying to be somebody else, like that person that you're trying to be is better at being them than you. So I feel like I just kind of, I mean, I remember there's been all these times, like when I turned 35 and was no longer eligible for like all the lists of like hot, young yeah. people like, under, 35 like under. you know hungry yeah. and successful and next up and watch this right. person and especially all. as a so woman like, right was, now it's like you turn 35 you're lists, a geriatric like, <laughs> totally it was like this huge like weight off of my shoulders because I'm like you know deep down that none of that stuff actually matters but you feel so pained when like your friend who you genuinely care about, like got on that list and you didn't because you're like, what's wrong with me? Why aren't, why are I not hungry and hot and rising and all of these things, but it's like, <laughs> you're all those things. You're fine. It's just a list. And so I do think that some of these things, like I can give the advice to people as much as I want to like not compare, but like, it's just what we do. And it's hard because what we do is so hard and you feel like there's only one slot for success. And we all know it's not true. And, you know, it feels that way as a woman and it feels that way, you know, it just, it's hard. So when you're, when you're in that spiral, that, that downward spiral that we all go through, (laughs) what is your way of getting yourself out of that? So you don't stay there too long. Cause we all know it's wasted energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now so much of it is like, you know, eyes on your own paper, like focus (laughs) on your own work, appreciate other people's work. Who has the time or the energy to, you know, try to like veer into different paths of other people and hope that you're gonna you know just create your own path and do it and I don't I just don't go there anymore because I'm so excited I've always been really excited for other people's success um and it just gets more and more genuine the older I get um and I'm living the life I want to be living so I don't like what's and it's been a lot of work to live that life once I started focusing on, on that, you know, you just don't have time to focus on like how other people are living a different, better life in, cause it's not, it's just their yeah. life. Well, know? especially if you've worked hard to build a life, like you said, that you are proud of, that is everything that you could have, ima- you know, dreamed and hoped for, for yourself. And you get to live it. I think it's like, like what I was saying earlier, it's like, we work so hard to get there and then we get there and then you're not even present. Right. to enjoy and be present for the life that you've worked so hard to create. Totally. That is the, and that is your life. That's the only life you get right to yeah. have. And, and to yeah. your point with authenticity, I think it's so important that if you think you have to be some other version of yourself, it, it may work for a little while, but I think eventually you're going to actually push people away because so much of the pull in our business is the people that gravitate towards you because of your authenticity. And so if you're, right. you know, finding it hard to navigate that part of yourself, I think it'll make it a little harder to find the right people, which is the hardest, one of the hardest parts of navigating uh, the industry, especially in LA, um, because it's such a spread out city is finding your tribe, finding your people of your cohorts, your, your, you know, your community. It's so tricky. And if you can, if you end up in the wrong place, it can be really hard to get yourself out of there. Um, Mm -hmm. 
It's a lot of toxic people still that are really unhappy and can keep you down with a lot of these things we're talking about. And so I think like, not to get so like, I mean, you know, I feel like we're doing a yoga <laughs> podcast, but like, you know, raising your vibrations truly, but raising your vibrations and then trusting that you're going to attract the kind of people that are, are in that same vibe as you. I think that's so important. Like, it's not just about finding anyone or any producer or any writer, or just anyone to do anything with. It's really taking the time to find the right people that get you and are going to elevate you in some way. Because like you said, it's all about the journey. And I like 1000% harp on that over and over on the show. So yeah, we're working too hard to not enjoy what we do. We could all be really successful working this hard in a lot of other things. And so <laughs> yeah. You know, you just want to enjoy it. And it doesn't yeah. mean that there's not been tons of moments in my career where I've done something really hard and like that I haven't enjoyed like night shoots, you know, like <laughs> there's things that you do because you need to do it to get to the next yeah. stage in your career. And it's not always like fun and, you know, kumbaya, but when things are hard, I have to remind myself that I'm getting paid to do it and it's work because I think I started for so long, not making any money doing what I was doing. There was so much about it that like was coming from love and like mm. passion and was loving what I do and feeling like I'd be lucky to get a dollar to do it, which I think is a, another problem that like we have kind of, you know, producing, but in the <laughs> yeah. industry in general and, you know, feeling like, well, if yeah. you're not going to do it, we have a line of people behind you that like would be happy to do this for free. You know, um, I really felt that way. I was one of the people that was like happy to do it. <laughs> and so it made your tolerance for discomfort yeah, a little bit less. And now, you know, that I do make a living doing what I love when there's moments that are really hard, I'm like, yeah, like someone's giving you millions and millions of dollars to make something like, okay. Like, so they're breathing down your neck. Like, of course they're breathing down your neck. Like, who are you to get to hold like millions and millions of dollars to make mm. art? Like, this is crazy. You know, like I like reality check a lot to get through the hard times because it is like, I never, thought that I would get to do that. Like, I can't, like we start, we forget when we're like, Oh God, the budget, it's only, you know, $500,000. It's impossible. And like, yes, that's really hard, but we're like $500,000. Like that's a lot of money. Like there are going to be, there are going to be stipulations that come with that. There are going to like, you can't like, there's so much time that I think as producers, we can get a little bit martyry because it's hard because it's a hard job but like there's a lot of responsibility so sometimes it's taking the emotion away from the hard stuff because you have to like remember that it's your work and like it's also I I assume it's very hard to be a doctor you know it's very hard <laughs> to do a lot of jobs that I don't know how to do and yeah, like no I, I I agree it's it's all it's all hard I had some uh sage advice when I started in this business like every aspect of this business is hard you just got to pick your heart and then decide how much you're going to give into that you know and even as you you rise it's it doesn't get less hard it's a different type of hard like the struggle never ceases to exist no matter what the perception may be because of how high you rise or the accolades that come with certain things, you know, certain achievements rather. Um, do you feel then that, you know, you talked before about imposter syndrome, like, do you feel that now as you've gotten older and you're more settled into this, this part of your career, has that gone away for you? No. I mean, because there's still more, there's always still more to know Yeah, because there's not a book that we can read or like a class that we can take that like, teaches us every scenario like you're always kind of winging it like at every project that I do there's like a new problem that I've never experienced before that like you feel like you're faking the solution for and like if I were to dissect it like I'm not faking the solution like it's years of experience that like give you the instinct to kind of know how to problem solve um but it still feels like like I'm not sure of myself. So when you come up with a solution to a problem and you see a bunch of people, you know, taking action to follow that 
path and you're like, did I just lead? Like, yeah, was that the right call? Like, did I just lead everybody astray? So I constantly feel it. I don't know if it ever goes away. I, maybe it's not good if it goes away. Like maybe we always need to feel a little bit like, you know, we don't know what we're doing to be able to like keep us on our toes and keep trying. Maybe, maybe if you've ever started to feel that way, you would get bored. I do think that there's a certain DNA of the kind of people that gravitate towards this, this career path in, in all the, all of its forms that you, there is a, a thriving on that. The unknown is really exciting and terrifying all at once. And I think that's part of where the, un, the imposter syndrome comes from. But like, then you remember that nobody really knows what they're doing to an extent, especially when it comes to production or certain challenges, totally. like you're just going to navigate it the best yeah. way that you can yeah. making the best educated decisions that you can. It's not like the, the faking it till you make it. I, I, I always kind of hate the word fake because it implies this, uh, being disingenuous, which I don't think it is. I think it's like doing the best you can with what you have at that moment. And the more you, you grow and learn, the better, more tools you have to, to pull from once that challenge is presented, you know? Yeah. It's very similar for me, like as a new mom, like yes. you're, you're in the same boat. And like, I know that like, I have, like, I know that I was meant to be a mom. I know that like the instincts are there, but like all of it is new. I have no clue what I'm doing. Like I have to like keep a human alive. And I, you know, I'm like, why they, she can't communicate yet with me. Like she speak words. Yeah. So you're like constantly guessing how to make crying stop or how to make, you know, like, what's that word that she's trying to say? What does this laughter mean? What does this noise mean? And all this stuff. And it really doesn't feel so different than, like, my career path, you know? Where I'm like, I know that I have the ingredients to do this. I know that I'm capable. I know that, like, I can read people. I right. know that I'm good at this. Exactly. Yeah. I love that you bring that. You brought that up organically because that was literally one of my questions is how, you know, becoming a mother in the past few years has changed how you approach the work, if at all, and, and also how it's transformed self-care for you mm-hmm. now that you have so much more on your plate. Oh, my God. <laughs> self-care. <laughs> haven't figured it out yet. Um, I, you know... Before I had a child, a lot of women who I really respect who have children would like give me advice that like only made sense once I had my child. I feel that I work so much smarter now. The amount of time that you spend like serving the internet or like daydreaming or all that stuff is like... Uh, it it just decreases because you want to, you want to get the work done and you want to do it. And then you really want time with your kid. And, you know, I'm, I'm a solo parent. So I had her by myself and like, I want to be two people. And I want one of those people to be like a stay at home mom that like, doesn't miss a minute of this baby's life. And then I want the other one to be a workaholic that's working all the time that doesn't mm. you know have to think about anyone but myself and <laughs> those obviously I can't be two people one of the things I love about producing is like the the juggling and the like multitasking and doing as many things as I can at once and so this kind of feeds into that I enjoy that part of it I enjoy yeah. trying to figure out like how to get as much time with my kid and as much time working. And, you know, I do think that, you know, there's all the other existential things like perspective and all the, you know, like all of that and your heart's bigger. And so you're, you know, better at your job, all that. I believe all that to be true too, but I definitely don't believe that like every, you know, everyone needs to be a parent. It's just something I really wanted. Um, And so I'm very willing to, you know, juggle that with my work. And it's weirdly, you know, I had this really, I had a really productive year, (laughs) produced, produced, you know, a movie and produced three shows. And, you know, it's been a lot of things. And for me, it's just during a pandemic, which is also really impressive, you know, it's it's crazy. The, the, yeah, that this idea, especially I'm, I'm hope to be a parent one day, hope that Mm -hmm. that's a, 
uh, that destined for me in this life. But it's like this fear, especially as women, that like once you decide to become a mother, that things maybe stop or how do you juggle it all? Every successful woman who's written a book about this talks exactly about that, how there's a constant guilt because you can only be in one place at one time. And when you love your yeah. job and of course you love, you know, your, your child, like you're never going to be able to do both. There's always going to be a part of you that's pulled in a different direction. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I could talk forever. Like you should be able to stop. We should all be able to Which stop. Which is like a whole other, yeah. I feel like I am lucky to have this like very large group of friends that were all, you know, amazing working women and we're all pregnant, you know, kind of around the same time. And no one can predict how that makes you feel. And some of us, we're desperate to start working immediately and integrate that into our lives. And some of us needed a year or two to like figure out who we were now and how to, you know, and, and it's all okay. It's all, yeah. you know, you, you can't be a good producer if you're not the best version of yourself. So like, for me, it's about doing everything I can in my life to be that version of me so that I can create the best work and enjoy doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like you're, you're doing it. <laughs> you're crushing it every day. Try every day. <laughs> so I wanted to just dig in a little bit um, on the challenges, right? Like we've talked a little bit about it here, but one of the things that I like to really hone in on the show is the ups and downs of the business and the ups and downs in our careers, you know, and, and I'm always curious how anyone weathers that storm for themselves, how you show up ready to fight again. How do you fill your own well when you're so discouraged by all of the things that don't go in a certain way? So whether a specific moment or example, or just a general um, notion of this, will you speak on that? I mean, I think that you let every downfall change the way that you do things, you know, like, and then you don't think of them as a downfall. It's the martyr thing again, a little bit where it's like, it's not all everyone else's fault. Like some of it is that maybe you're, you need to look at your project or yourself or the team that you put together or something and do something differently the next time. Yes, it's really easy for the well to be depleted. Like, I feel like that's kind of a different thing of figuring out. Mm -hmm. Like for me, you know, it's like, whether that be that you go on set and then follow it up with like an extravagant, like relaxation vacation, or whether you're a person that, you know, finds a way to exercise for 30 minutes every morning before you get picked up at 5am, like, which I've always started every production thinking I was that person and never have yet to <laughs> figure that part out. Um, I'm definitely more on the, I'll do a cleanse when this is over. Yeah. So I just think that like, there's a lot of like that frustration that comes with being an indie producer and feeling like you're producing everybody's firsts and they then go on to do these like huge things and you don't get to be a part of it. Um, and I think that that's like a, a tricky thing because it's really, really hard to, you know, as a young director to bring your producer onto the studio movie that you get hired on. And there's, you know, it's hard on every side of it. But that was hard for me in a stage of my career when I felt like I kept producing everybody's samples and everybody's like things that got them noticed. And then I just keep doing these tiny things. And instead of like sinking into that frustration, which can feel very circuitous, you know, I felt like when Mike, my partner now, you know, came to me to start a company, it was like the validation that all of those people you work with do appreciate you mm. and like appreciate your work, but like they're also have to do their work. And when somebody has an opportunity to come back to you, they will, you know? And so for me, so much of like my choices have been from examining the downfalls and like, how can I change it for me? Because I can't change it for everybody. Like it is what it is. And everybody has their own relationship with the filmmakers they work with. So it's not even spinning it to a positive. It's just like, so that you, uh, you know, know 
how to see that line when it's hanging. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's, that's exactly the right perspective. Um, you know, I think especially coming up as an independent producer, for me, I always like to ask this question. I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety, like a lot of us do, especially when so much of your self-worth, which for me in my early 20s, it certainly was, was tied up in the work and who was calling in the return businesses and all of that and how long it takes to eventually get get past that. Not that you're necessarily, you know, completely rid of it, but just kind of on the other side of it. I have a quick lightning round that I like to do with five fun questions just to wrap us up. Okay. First question. What's a song that teleports you to a happy place? In My Life by the Beatles. What is the latest piece of art that moved you? A book, a film, a TV show, etc. I have a friend who's a photographer. His name's Daniel Arnold. And he took a photo of my child and my godson and my friend framed it and gave it to me for her first birthday. And it like was very beautiful and emotional. Oh, I love that. The third question is fill in the blank. When I'm overworked, blank helps ease the stress. A long, a walk helps ease the stress. Okay. I like to go on walks. I walk a lot. Good. I'm a silver lake walker. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. What is one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And it doesn't have to be financial. It was to have a child. And, and it was very financial. <laughs> Extremely financial. Okay, I love that. Okay. Okay, so this is the final question. And um I loved Inside the Actor Studio coming up and always wish that there was a version of that for other people in our industry. So borrowing from Inside the Actor Studio, the question, which was inspired by the famed French journalist Bernard Pivot, which he asks at the end of every episode, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Congratulations, you did everything that you wanted to do. I mean, what a way to end my drop. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Well, I mean, I it's crazy because I feel like you're just getting started. So, you know, you're in this new season of your career, this new chapter, and there's so much to look forward to work that you're creating. We didn't even get to some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about, like how much I love Hello, My Name is Doris. Like there's just so oh. much. But thank you so much for taking the time seriously to share a little bit about yourself and your journey with me and the listeners. It's why I do it. It creates a little bit of community um, and reminds us that while the path can sometimes feel a little bit lonely, we're not alone. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe. You can find the show at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos.